Okay. How's your headphone level? How's my voice sound? Magical. <laughs> Got the iPad ready again today. Lots of stuff to cover. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. Last week, we attempted to record a podcast, but we forgot about it until the last minute. And then we attempted at bedtime, which is a horrible time to <laughs> do a podcast. So we actually did record a podcast. It was podcast. literally a bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so terrible. We were terrible. going to bed and we were like, we forgot to do a podcast. Let's record a podcast. And the entire recording, I think, was 16 minutes long. And it had tons of slurred speech. <laughs> <laughs> and we were completely tired. And and just like periods of 45 seconds of silence. <laughs> as we completely zoned out and fell asleep. And then on top of that, it was right before I was leaving for a trip and didn't even have time to edit the podcast anyway. So Mm -hmm. basically that went in the garbage. (laughs) I don't even know if I kept the recording. I probably just deleted it. Did you even listen to it? Um, well, I, down, I, I, I grabbed it off this memory card before we started recording just now, but... Uh, oh, so you haven't even listened to it yeah, yet. I, so maybe it's like, you don't even know. That could be some sort of magic I know. in there. That could be a treasure chest. It was really bad. It was pretty terrible. I Anyways. Like, didn't even care about what we were talking about. I was like, Argh. I tried. <sighs> okay, so last weekend, we did our first... Colorado camping trip. First Colorado camping trip. Colorado camping. As a family. And we went two hours, two hours and 15 minutes west of Denver, southwest to Buni Vista, which I call Buena Vista, but I guess locals call Buni Vista. So it's Buena Vista if you are from Colorado. And if then, you are from Colorado? Yeah. And then I think if you live in Buena Vista... They call it Buni for short, but I have n- only people in Denver have told me about this Buni thing, but people in Buena Vista have said Buna instead of Buena. And by people, you mean the BV Overland folks, right? Or did well, you meet yeah, anyone they else? Said, they said, yeah, for sure. It took us a long time to start saying Buna instead of Buena. Okay. Yeah, so we went there for a couple reasons. The main reason was it's right next to a really sweet riding area called Taylor Park. And I have no idea how many miles of trail they have. There's a lot of trail that's not on the map, but of the stuff that's mapped, it's probably at least a couple hundred or so. It's a pretty massive area. And it's shared with OHVs, but there are separate single track trails, which is what I was going there for. We, We camped on the north side of that park. So if you look on a map, you'll see a bunch of campsites on the north side. There's like a little lake and there's uh, several rivers as well that go up mm-hmm. upwards. And several of those rivers are actually trails, mm-hmm. streams that you can ride in, which is kind of cool as well. So you can ride in, in the streams as they're flowing downwards, which is a lot of fun. And they're rocky, super rocky. The whole area seems super rocky actually. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, there was a, there was a, there were a couple trails that were recommended to try that I ended up not trying because I was alone this time and they were longer than I wanted to walk out of. Yeah. Don't do it alone. Cause my, my strategy usually when I ride alone, I actually prefer riding alone because <laughs> I just, yeah, I just like to stop a lot and change directions a lot and stuff like that. And it's easier to do by myself than to make everybody else wait on me. But, um, yeah, so I, I kind of just stuck to trails that were 
probably like around six miles or less or something like that. And one of the longer trails, I believe it was called Timberline. I'm not sure, but it runs along. Yeah, you like told me whole, about Timberline like three times when we were driving. Yeah, it's like the whole north side of the area there. And it's much longer distance-wise. I'm not sure how long it actually takes because I didn't ride it. But mm-hmm. if it's anything like the other trails I rode, it probably has a lot of rocks and it probably would have taken a little <laughs> bit of time to do. But it was a good mix. It, it had a mix of like the really flowy single track with with you know where you barely even have to look at where you're going because it's just so smooth. Mm-hmm. And then the little mini rock gardens and then some uphill, downhill, switchbacky stuff. But it's pretty straightforward. I had a good time. That's yeah, great. Nothing too crazy or challenging, and it was very beautiful. It is super beautiful out there. We got to pass the Continental Divide on our way there, mm-hmm. which was over twelve thousand feet above sea level. Which I think that's the highest I've ever been. <clears throat> I think when even when I was in Ecuador, I didn't get up past eleven or much past eleven, and we both felt it even. I think even Baxter was feeling it. He was panting pretty hard in the back seat, and all we were doing was driving. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were. It was this OHV park is in Gunnison National Park, National Forest, National just, Forest. I think it's just a forest, yeah. And so Chris went out to do some writing, and because it's like a nice multi-use place, I was thinking about hiking, but Baxter still got his leg issue. So um, I just went super lazy, put up a hammock, and listened to an audiobook for four or five hours while <laughs> you were out riding. <laughs> it kept Baxter from chasing cows. I, there was a lot of cows. Mm-hmm. A lot of cows. I don't even know where those, who those cows belong to. They clearly are not wild because they're tagged. But like, even in the middle of the night, I woke up to like cows eating really close to our truck. They were they were very concerned because we were also in their path. Like you can see the cow trail. And I think our truck was like blocking or really close to their path. And they were very confused. They're like, I don't, that's, that's my way. <laughs> There's something in the way. Moo. Yeah. Some of the trails that I saw were, were probably cow trails as well. Yeah. They, they look like cow trails. But they looked really nice. <laughs> but they probably weren't. What was that? What was that? Meant path for the motorcycle. Over spring break. There was a really, really pretty pass that we took that had started out as a cow trail. And then people realized how beautiful it was and started driving along it when we were going to Utah, out of Utah, towards Arizona. There was that really pretty down. We took, got out and took like a thousand pictures. Hiking trail? No, we were on, we were on the, we were in the truck. We were driving, but you said that it had started out originally like a long time ago as a cow trail and that it was so beautiful. Uh, okay, there's a blank look. <laughs> I'll put up pictures later on my phone. My phone's across the condo at the other end. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You totally told me it was a cow trail. Anyways, clearly cows have excellent taste in scenery because they always pick the best views. This is what I was getting at, but it was completely ruined by Chris's blank stare. <laughs> Yeah, they choose good paths because they're, you know, they don't, they, they choose a direct path from one one point to another or they don't fall over. So it's, you know, you'll you'll be like right along ridges and stuff like that mm-hmm. rather than going straight down a face. Mm-hmm. So it's usually a pretty good hiking trail or biking trail or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't um, believe you I, don't remember. I mildly remember a, a, us having this conversation. I just don't 
have any recollection of what you're talking about, what trail. It was right. Oh, uh, never mind. I'll show you pictures later. You'll get it. You'll remember. You'll be like, oh, yeah. Um. So anyway, so that was our camping trip. But mm, we spent one night in Gunnison. And then we went back into Buna and visited the BV Overland people, right? No, we had dinner, slept in that other camping spot, and then visited the BV people. What was that other camping spot? That was also an OHV trail area, park. Yeah, so we left the Taylor Park area, went back into town, grabbed some dinner. They have like food trucks in Buena Vista and uh, Buena Vista. Are they trucks really? Because they are not moving. Well, they are trucks. They're just, they don't have wheels on them anymore. They're permanently established Small restaurants that used to be trucks. <laughs> Anyways, this is a burger place. Vikings. Viking something? Yep. Oh, so good. It was super good burgers. We actually went there two nights in a row. <laughs> and uh, we went there the first night as well for dinner. We went to town and then we actually got a... Um, there's a, 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 a company we keep mentioning, BV Overland, which is... Uh, it's a couple that runs it. They've been actually doing this kind of business for a while, but this office space, co-working space, like um, headquarters, if you will, in, in Buena Vista is new. Mm-hmm. And so we connected with them on Instagram and got a recommendation on where to camp nearby town because what they do is they rent out vehicles for people who are visiting or people who don't have their own vehicle for camping mm-hmm. of all types. Like you can get what they had there when we went there was this, you know, one of the brand new, massive four by four, 2019 sprinters, fully decked out with everything, you yeah. know, beds, showers, water. It's like he said it was fully sustainable unit on its own. It had like a ton of like battery packs, like mounted to the bottom and solar mm-hmm. panels on the top. And like, it's just like full, full on mini hotel room on wheels. Yeah. So they, so if you, so that's one thing they do is provide those vehicles. And like I said, they have all different kinds. They have the Sprinter, but they also have more simplistic vehicles as well. Mm-hmm. Things that are probably more off-road capable and have just like a tempui tent on top, that kind of deal. Yeah. So a little bit more simple and you, you know, you'll probably want to bring some extra stuff with you if it's, if it's not in there. So they got all that kind of stuff. But then what, what they also have is just knowledge because they've, they've been in the area for a while. So uh, they have maps and, um, you know, they're more than happy to, connect with like us on Instagram, for example, and just recommend places to camp because we are new to Colorado, never been to this area ever. And there's a bunch of places to camp. Like I'm sure we could have found a place to camp, but it would have been a complete guess. So it was nice to have like some direction. So they recommended some roads to head down and where we can find some free camping and had like a bunch of good spots on it. And it just so happened that it was also another riding area as well. Yeah. (laughs) Right outside town, like five minutes out of town, which is really cool. It didn't ride there at all because of the timing. We didn't plan on it. Didn't plan on riding. We didn't know it was even a possibility. But we did spend the night there. And then in the morning, we stopped by and checked out the their little headquarters there, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they have some fun stuff. Like for, it's a kind of seasonal town, I guess. It's mostly a summer, summer town, but they do have some stuff going on in the winter. But a lot of smaller companies that they, what they're offering would be great in Buena Vista, but they don't have like the overhead to like set up a seasonal shop. So like they kind of just let other companies put their wares in there as well. Like there was one of those electric bicycles that had like the giant kid seat on the back. So I don't know. So they're doing some other stuff. They're supporting other small businesses. It's just a great space to go in and get some Wi-Fi and look at maps or just like 
chill out and like talk to somebody who knows the area. Super nice people. We met them in um, Alabama Hills in California mm-hmm. randomly, what, like a year ago, year and a half ago? Yep. And um, yeah, <clears throat> just really nice people, super welcoming. Yeah. If you're ever in Buena Vista and you need a map, go check them out or just need somebody nice. And yeah, so that was it. Then that was we, it. And then we, we woke came up, home. we checked them out, came home and uh, got everything all cleaned up and put it away. So, so something else that we talked about last time that we tried last week was that, that MotoWorks place. Oh, yeah. So we, your bike? Yeah, we talked about one of the issues with living in the city and having one parking spot and stuff is it's really hard to do work on anything, any of the bikes, like any kind of work at all. So mm-hmm. um, one of the, the places we went to in San Francisco was uh, Piston and Chain. And it's basically a community garage. You pay a shit ton of money and you get a key and you can go whenever you want and work on your bike. And they have all the tools there and and all the places to dispose of all your fluids. And, you know, they got all the, the um, you know, funnels, the oil and, yeah. catchers, the lifts, sockets. And they have a nice couch for people who aren't working on bikes to sit and watch. The only issue I had with Piston and Chain is that they had like everything but 10 millimeter because everybody used 10 millimeter and it yeah. got lost. <laughs> so they had like they had like 10 sets of sockets and they were all missing the same, basically the same set that everybody uses because they would use it, set it down and then it would disappear. <laughs> but um, we found uh, Moto, a place called Moto Works in Denver, which is very similar, except it has a few key differences that I think are way better. And uh, so the things it has in, in common is it's still community garage. Mm-hmm. You can pay by the day or you can pay by the month. Mm-hmm. It's not membership based, which is nice. So you're not committing to anything. You just say, I want access for a month. You pay their monthly fee. And then if you want it next month, you do that again. Or if you're doing, um, you have a bunch of stuff that you want to batch up and take care of it in a, in a day then you can pay their day fee and go on and do that. And I th- I think it's it might be just because of uh, this being Denver and not San Francisco, but it was a lot more organized, a lot less stuff missing. Yeah. Is much more orderly. It was an, it was an is a nice garage. And they had every single tool like I brought my own tools in. I didn't have to use a single tool. Yeah. They had everything that I needed. The only thing of mine I used was a torque wrench. But they had those. I just didn't know. I didn't try. Like with the torque wrench, it's like a thing. They got to be calibrated. And like, I just don't, I don't trust someone else's torque wrench. So <laughs> I use my own torque wrenches. But other than that, it was, it was awesome. And, and one of the really di- key differences about this place compared to Piston and Chain is that the two people that, um, I think they own it, but if nothing else, they work there. One of them is the owner. They are also mechanics. And so they work on bikes themselves while they're in there. So they can always do my work for me if I mess something up or if I'm working on something that I'm just not comfortable finishing or I have questions about. They'll they'll basically do like a workshop on the spot, you know? It's, yeah. It's really cool. And they're there. I mean, they're always there because that's when they're open is when they're there. Yeah. So you don't have the key 24-hour access deal, but I rarely did maintenance in the middle of the night anyway. Right. <laughs> and you can still leave your bike there if you're paying for the month which I don't do because we live so close. And yeah, it was it was good. I I brought the dirt, the dirt bike there before our trip and did all the stuff I needed to do in a day, put on the electron carb and it worked perfectly up at the high elevation stuff. And yeah, it was super cool. So you came home super happy. Yeah, you I was really, really excited, excited about it. I haven't seen it yet. I was working, but um, yeah, 
it seems like a really good option considering our parking garage doesn't have very good ventilation and it's just not a very, it's kind of dim and it's kind of dark and it's not, it's not a great place to work on anything really. So I don't want you getting asphyxiated and like passing out and having a bike fall on you or something. (laughs) Yeah, that would not be good. That would not be good. (laughs) So I like that this place and the pricing is really reasonable. Again, probably because we're not in San Francisco. They don't have to pay San Francisco rent. Yeah. So uh, the only other, like on my, I guess this week we both did different things. So yeah, uh, we did, we literally split ways. This yeah, week. we were not even in the same part of the country. No. Nope. So, uh, so what did you do this week? Well, this week what started the very first week of school for Denver Public Schools. And so I got to meet my students for the first time. I got to meet my ninth graders on Monday for just a couple minutes. And then on Tuesday, I um, we had a regular schedule and I got to meet all my students. So it's, I don't know if it's the school. I don't know if it's Denver. I don't know, but it's probably the most trusting school I've ever worked at. Like I have access to all of the copiers, including the ones that do color. And in every other school I've worked at, like there's usually like one color copier that has like a secret code that only like one person knows and it's super locked down and secret. And most of the time you don't even know where it is. And they're just like, you're a professional. You do what you need to do to get the job done. And it's, it's, really 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 awesome to just be able to like do what you need to do and not like ask permission or not have people like question why you're not doing it the same way somebody else is doing it so the school environment is really nice it reminds me of being in like a regular office you know working at a regu- at like a job where you're valued as an individual and the contributions you bring as an individual person, which is super nice. And then the science team is huge because the school has 2,400 students, maybe 2,600. It's big. It's the biggest school I've ever worked at. So the science department is gigantic and takes up almost all of the fourth floor and then part of the second floor as well. The teachers who teach ninth grade biology, there's nine of us who teach ninth grade biology. Like that's that's a huge pool of people to pull resources from. And everyone is so kind. They even invited us to a barbecue, like at somebody's house. And everyone was really nice. And we just sat around in lawn chairs and like Talked shop, which unfortunately for most spouses, it's really boring when a bunch of teachers get together and talk shop. We usually talk about penises. And white claws. And white claws. I don't even, what is, I I guess I am officially now uh, like past that that invisible boundary between like young and like not young anymore because the white claw thing, I I don't even understand. I, I feel like it's low sugar wine coolers that I drank in like 10th grade, but I'm not 100% sure. I tried one. It was terrible. Um, But anyways, everyone's really, really nice Um, because we, the school is so crowded with students. Like we don't have our own classrooms. We share classrooms, which is totally fine. Everyone's really respectful of everyone's space and time in their class. We all have little offices that are like tucked away in weird corridors. Um, and the people who are in my little corridor of offices are just really great, really awesome people. Super willing to help out. Everyone shares everything on Google Drive. Everyone's stuff is accessible. 
And then the kids showed up and they are so great. They are so great. They are really ready to be in a classroom. I would say 99.9% of them are actually like fully ready for a classroom. And last year, I felt like a lot of my students had not been prepared on how to behave and be in a classroom. They hadn't been prepared by their middle school or their elementary school. And so we had a lot of just basic learning that I had to go through last year. Like when you're in a classroom, you don't jump up and start having a dance party with your Bluetooth speaker in the middle of class. When you're in a classroom, it's not time to break out gel and like combs and brushes to do somebody's hair in the middle of a class, right? It's just little things that you would think were obvious, but we're not. We're completely not obvious. And so there was a lot of like backwards learning. There was a lot of like community issues at the school last year that really impacted our student, the students and their abilities to stay focused in the classroom because there was so much going outside, going on outside of the school area. And I feel like it's really different here and everyone's really, really excited. And, you know, the second day of school, I had a, the first day of school, Tuesday, when I had all the kids, one of my upperclassmen, because I teach a ge- geology class, she came up to me. I had everyone like doing a little project and she came up to me and she said, you're the first teacher that I've ever been able to identify with. And I'm really excited that I'm in your class. Like she had known me for 15 minutes, <laughs> which is like super sweet and really amazing. And I'm glad that whatever I said, like, you know, struck her as relatable and that she was excited to be in my class. And then on Friday, we do these things as teachers called exit tickets. And they're usually just a really short something that kids produce at the end of the class period. So you can check that they've learned something. Um, Usually they just write it on a scrap of piece of paper and throw it like a bin. Sometimes it's like, if it's digital, it's, it's, you know, a quick something on like Google Forms or something. It's usually really fast. And it's just so you can go through and double check. Okay, what happened today? What were we learning? Can I see that they are understanding where we're supposed to be at? Or where are they in this process of understanding this concept? So I just did a stupid exit ticket on Friday because we haven't even really started the curriculum yet. And I said, send me an email from whatever email address you use and make sure you tell me what period you're in and what your name is. Because a lot of these kids use their personal email addresses and they're like Pokemon Master 64972. And then they send me emails and they don't put their names in it. And I'm like, I have no idea who Pokemon Master is, right? Or like Sam's mom. Well, great. I have like eight Sam's. Which Sam's mom are you? And it's not even Sam's mom. It's Sam. (laughs) you know and then the Denver Public Schools the kids are all given email addresses but there's so many kids they they just don't even use their names anymore it's just random strings of numbers it's their student ID number is their email address so it's their student ID at DPS K-12 so there's no indication about who this kid is from their email address so I said send me an email, put your full first and last name, what period you're in. And then if you want to say something, you can. If you have extenuating circumstances that might pop up, or if you want to remind me about something you told me earlier, or if you just want to say something nice, whatever, you can do that. Then so many, so many of my students wrote in there, Miss Hunt, you, I am so excited for this class. Like, I am so glad I got you as my biology teacher. Like, it was just, really sweet. And um, I just didn't really get that last year. And so it makes me more excited to be teaching again. Not that I wasn't excited about teaching last year. I learned, I learned a lot. I was just, 
I was in out of my like comfort zone and out of my depth. I didn't have the skills to be the best teacher I could at the school last year. And I felt it every day and I felt like I was failing. And here I feel like, okay, I got this. I, I am where I need to be for these kids. You know, there's a lot of like internal monologue that goes on as a teacher, like whether you're good enough, whether you're doing the right job, whether you're completely failing them. There's a lot of self-doubt. <laughs> a yeah, lot it of sounds like the, ki the kids are just overall just more well-behaved. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're used to listening to adults tell them what to do right. and they're used to being respectful of other people. And I think they're used to having adults around that are in an authority, but not like a negative authority. Right. And I think that their lives, I can't speak for all of them because obviously I don't know them all hundred percent, but the amount of like trauma that goes in on in different neighborhoods really affects students. And I think that the neighborhood that East is in and the community it serves has a lot less traumatic events happening. Like last year, so many, I met so many kids were missing school because of funerals. Like people were dying left and right, like little kids, young men. They were just, there's a whole culture of grieving in that school last year. Like when somebody dies, you make a sweatshirt with their like face on it and you wear that sweatshirt for like a month, you know, or you have a button that you wear every day with the person's face on it. It's like death is such a constant at the school as that last year that they've built like a process around it death is really hard for young people to deal with, especially when it's happening over and over and over again, you know? As do, it, death is difficult for anybody to deal with. FYI. That's true. I know, <laughs> I know. But like, it is. And, and you know, the younger, when you're like in that time of life, when you're grown up enough to kind of take care of yourself, but you haven't fully navigated adult life yet, kind of like where high schoolers are, where you still want to be cared for, in certain ways, but in other ways you push back from care, like the process of grieving, I think can be even more difficult than like for adults who have different coping me mechanisms, right? Maybe not, maybe I'm totally wrong. Call me out, call me out, I don't know. So, <laughs> so in general, it would be fair to say that it seems as though your students have less people they know dying constantly. Yes. <laughs> they, they are more used to listening to adults. Yes. And they understand, they have more experience being inside of a classroom and understanding the dynamics of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see why that would make a pretty big difference. It makes a huge difference. And it, also, it also makes me very sad about the other <laughs> classroom and schools because, yeah, I'm an adult and I don't want to deal with any of that crap. So, right. it's, uh, yeah. It's hard. Slight, slightly, slight easier mode this year, it seems. Yeah, I think that I can really focus more on like, making sure kids understand that science is really cool and less focusing on giant outbursts in class or people crawling out of the window because they don't want to be in class anymore or other people crawling in the window because they don't want to be in the class they are in. So they're going to come to Miss Hunt's class through my window. Like I, that damn window in my classroom last year, I asked for windows and I like, it was at ground level and kids just were climbing in and out of my window like all year long. <laughs> and I was like, y'all, this is not... <laughs> This is not like an escape hatch. <laughs> There's least, a door. At least you had kids sneaking in too. But they weren't my kids. They yeah. were kids who I were not in any of my classes. This kid at the beginning of the year, I asked him, I was like, your hands look so dry. He's like, oh, I have really bad eczema. And I happened to have some like 
lotion on me. And I was like, here, this is like unscented and it won't irritate it. Why don't you put some on? And after that, he just like latched onto me as like the kind person. So whenever he was skipping his other classes or he was running away from like security or the police, he would like crawl into my window. of my classroom because I was like, but every time he crawled in my window, I would then escort him to the door and shove him out and like shut the door and lock it behind him. So I don't know. He was, he was a very, um, he had a lot going on. He was my first ninth grader with an ankle bracelet. Like a, uh, you got to stay home ankle bracelet. Yeah. Like the kind they give you after your release from prison. House arrest, right? He was my first ninth grader with a ankle bracelet. I should probably change his name. I didn't say his last name. We might need to edit out the name, honey. Okay. I'll do, we'll put a beep in there. Okay. Thank you. Anyway. So yeah, that, I got my first week of school in. It was probably the first week of all my years of teaching, which is, this is only number four. So it's not a lot that, um, I was able to go to sleep every single night and sleep through the night and not have like insomnia worrying about something. It's just a really, I really like this school. Staying here for good. <laughs> so then while you were at school, I was on the East Coast um, because I have a friend named Ben who I met on the internet slash podcasting. And he is a... I thought you met him at conferences. And co- slash conferences. Because you guys used to do a lot of conferences together. I don't know if I met him on the, on the, on the internet or conferences first. Twitter maybe. Yeah. You used to do Twitter a lot. I used to do Twitter a lot and I don't do it at all. <laughs> but um, Ben's a really cool guy, and uh, he's really good at lots of things. We really have a lot in common, I think. We're excited about a lot of similar things. And so when I first met Ben, we had this idea of going to a, I guess I should say the first, I don't know, it's kind of it's complicated, but anyways... Ben had this book that he wanted to read. It's a programming book. And I wanted to read it too. But the problem is it's ginormous. And so you have to have a lot of time to really sit down and read the book and do the exercises and just dedicate to it because otherwise you're not going to get it done because it's it just takes a lot of time. So It's a textbook, isn't it? It's a textbook. Yeah, it's a programming textbook. Um, so, so Ben's like, hey, I want to read this book. Anyone want to read it with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Okay, so then we decided, yeah, if we're going to read a book, we got to dedicate some time to it, right? So we picked a date. We picked a week, um, this week block of time. This is many years ago. And then we picked a destination because I lived at the time on the West Coast. Ben lived on the East Coast. And so we had to pick some spot that we can both go to. So we decided to go to Costa Rica. So we picked this uh, Airbnb in Costa Rica, and we picked <laughs> we picked Costa Rica for a couple of reasons, but uh, mostly just because it's cool. We'd never been there. And we went to Costa Rica to read this book. And we decided once we got there not to read the book. <laughs> and instead, what we were going to do is use this week to focus on a new project. And so this, is, this was our first idea of this codecation, which is this idea where you, it's like a vacation, but you're writing code. So you're taking a... You know, you're, I, specifically, you're writing the code you want to write because both of you are software engineers and both of you write code for a living. Well, Ben, I don't, he does a little bit still, right? But back then you both did, you both coded for a living, but you coded what your company had prioritized for coding and not necessarily what you wanted to like work on, right? Or it, it could be either, but basically the goal of the week was to start a new project or pick up a new language, just do something new, regardless of what we're working on. Mm-hmm. So we decided to learn this language called ClojureScript, which is a 
just it's just a different programming language. Neither one of us has used. It has a lot of interesting design patterns that were very different from the language we were using in our day job at the time. So it was just very different all around. And so we instead spent the week building like a bunch of side projects in this language, just fun little things like a random maze generator that then solves itself <laughs> and the game of life. And I think those are the two things we worked on that week. And it was a lot of fun. And we, of course, since we're in Costa Rica, we did a lot of Costa Rica things too. We did some horseback riding. We ate at lots of restaurants. It was like a romantic vacation that <laughs> I would love to take with Chris. And he took another man. Like they <laughs> went, they horseback rode to a waterfall. And swam in a little hot springs and thing. swam in a hot springs. <laughs> and like, I was like, really? <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I mean, just even, even to spice it up too, the Airbnb I booked sleeps too. <laughs> But it sleeps two in the same bed. So we even had the privilege of sharing a bed on that trip. There was a hammock on the balcony though, wasn't there? There was, but it's, uh, you know, it's very tropical. Lots of bug issues there. Oh, okay. Anyway, so we did, we did this trip and it was, it was successful in many ways. Uh, I, for one, I just enjoyed hanging out with Ben. I thought he was a fun person to hang out with. And two, I thought it was just super productive. We got tons done because we were focusing on this one thing. I learned a lot about ClojureScript, and so we decided to make this kind of a regular thing. And so since then, we've done a couple other of these codecations. I think we've done like three of them, and it's been great. And that's how I know Ben, is we get together every year or a couple years. Um, since the last time we met, it's been many, many years, like four or five years. So it's been, it's been a long time since I've spent time with Ben. And yeah, I was just kind of overdue to to visit to visit Ben again. And Ben um, invited me on this annual thing that he started two years ago, I think, called Lake House. And this is a different thing. This isn't a codecation. We're not writing code. It's nothing to. In fact, it's the opposite of that. You know, don't don't write code. <laughs> don't even bring a computer. <laughs> and it's mostly just Ben and some of his family and some friends that he has from all different parts of his life, including uh, Codecation life, apparently, because I was also <laughs> invited. And we just spent, oh, um, well, they spent a week there. I spent, I was there Tuesday through Saturday, so five days or so. And, I, and most of the people there are from the East Coast. I flew in from Denver, obviously, and just hung out at the lake house. And we did some hikes, or, or did a hike, a day hike, mm -hmm. which was fun. And other than that, it was mostly just cooking for each other and doing lakeside activities and doing incredible amounts of games, which, you know, these are all things I, I never do outside of this <laughs> lake house. So it was fun, especially the, the games. I actually don't really like board games that much, but I enjoyed them at the lake house. <laughs> they were all new games to me. We, um, we played Euchre, which is a card game. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We played Moki, which is, um, it's like a really fancy version of lawn darts okay yeah it's <laughs> like uh you have pins you have 12 pins each each of those pins is numbered one through 12 they're arranged in some way you can think of them as being arranged looking like a set of bowling pins because that's kind of how we did it yeah and then you stand behind a line and you toss this other wood pin so it's a imagine a, it, it you know it's a it's a it's a cylindrical so like a rolling pin not like a bowling pin yeah like an even cylinder pin okay. that's probably like six twelve inches wide or so wait wide or long long 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was and, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe like an inch and a half, two inches wide, something like that. Pretty hefty. And so then you you take turns, you chuck the pin at the other pins, <laughs> and you get a score. And your score is calculated by either the number of pins you knock down. Mm-hmm. So if I knock down five pins, then my score is now five. Mm-hmm. Or if you knock down one pin, it's the value of that single pin. So if uh, I knock down the pin that's marked 12 out of the 1 through 12, then I'll get 12 points, even though I knock down one pin. So it has this dynamic of either aiming for a specific high pin yeah, or hitting down a bunch of pins, if that seems a little safer. And the thing that ever... The, the reason why this game becomes interesting is because you're counting down from 50... Uh-huh. So if I hit down five pins, I'm now at 45. If I hit down two pins, I'm now at 43. And it's the first person who gets to zero, exactly. And if you go over, then you got to be reset back to 25 and start counting down again. So once you get near the end and you've got like three or four points left, you're not going for the 12 pin. You're not trying to knock down a bunch of pins. You're trying to hit down the three pin, a specific pin. Or you're trying to hit down two pins at the same time, then hit down the one pin, that kind of thing. And after each toss... Another thing that makes it interesting is the pins are not reset. They're just stood up from wherever they land. So if a bunch of people are smacking the 12 pin, it can end up really far away. And so then it becomes interesting because if the pin you need, like say you need three points, the three pin could be like 100 meters away or something. I don't think we ever got that far away. but That's really far. Yeah, it could be 20 (laughs) feet away, maybe 10, 20, 15 feet away. And it becomes very difficult to hit. So there's strategy and like... In all parts of the game. And then you can also, like, if, you know, let's say you go and you only need, like, three left, the people who go after you can make sure to, like, knock those pins far, like, that three pin really far away. They can, like, gang up against you, right? Yeah, they can knock it out of the way. So if I need three points, someone can just really hammer that three pin and knock it it pretty far away. Yeah, or even just, like, really knock the one pin away so you can't even, like, hit the one pin, like, three times or something. Okay. I like that. That sounds kind of fun. We should bring that to your mom's house. Yeah. She's got a good yard for that because it's nice and flat. Yeah, it was a it was a super fun game. That was definitely the game that I had the most fun with. Um, and then we played some um, board game type stuff too, like Secret Hitler. I don't know if you've played that. <laughs> it seems like... No, I have not played Secret Hitler. Uh, <laughs> my first impression, my first impression of that was like, is this game racist? I don't know. <laughs> what? No, it's an actual board game. It, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. It, yeah, I think I have to play a little bit more before I become good at it. But basically, yeah, I won't, I won't bother to describe the game. But it's fun. It, it, you're, you're lying to each other or telling the truth. You're trying to convince people that you're a liberal, even if you're a fascist. Okay, so are you like assigned a role, and then you have to convince people? Of yeah, a storyline or yeah, something. I guess we are going to get into it. But yeah, basically everybody around the table is assigned a role secretly. Yeah. And you don't know what everybody else's role is. And everybody is pretending to be liberals or they really are liberals. Uh, and you're trying to identify who the fascists are. Uh-huh. And one of those fascists is actually Hitler as well, which has its own little special scenarios. And so how this plays out during the game is you're passing political policies and you are the role of being the president is rotating around the table to pass these policies and you're able to assign a chancellor to help you pass policies and so your goal as a president and in finding a, a chancellor is to get somebody to pass the policies that you want 
passed. So if you're a liberal, you want liberal policies passed. If you're a fascist, you want fascist policies passed. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's important to try to identify who the other people on the t- at the table are, because if you get your policies passed a certain number of times, then you win the game. Oh, that sounds way too complicated. It's pretty complicated. It's, uh, yeah, you, you'll pick it up quick. <laughs> so anyways, lots of that stuff. And then I, I just got back from that. You got home uh, last night. Yep. That was a lot of fun. And yeah, I guess the only other, the only other forward looking thing here is um, the ride from the KTM rallies coming up. Yeah. You have a conference on Friday. I've got a conference on Thursday and Friday that I'm going to for Elixir, Elixir Conf here near Denver. And the KTM rally got a little bit more exciting because Jesse... Um, also known as One Lost Moto. Oh, yeah! Uh, is he going to join you guys? Yeah, he's going to try Aww, to join us for some of it. But, but the issue we're having, I think, at this point is neither one of us are actually able to get KTM rally tickets because they're sold out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but what, what we're thinking about doing is... Um, Wait, I mean, y'all have connections at lots of different places. They're not, there's not like one of those amazing companies that you guys are like hooked up with that could get you a ticket like i don't want to name names because i don't want anyone to feel left out or whatever but like you have a wide breadth of like companies yeah i mean i don't think so so? yeah i mean i i have no reason to be there so if i was uh you know like spencer who's who's going spencer who who we're meeting there is you know he doesn't have to pay for a ticket but he's going to the event and covering it right yeah so he's taking photos, he's writing a news story, you know, he's cre- he's like creating value out of his visit. Yeah. I'm going to the KTM rally to have fun. So okay. I should be paying, <laughs> right? I'm not I'm not providing, I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying you should get a free ticket. I'm just saying like there's got to be somebody out there who like bought like a batch of tickets. Yeah. And isn't using all of them. Yeah, who knows. I mean, the vendors, they yeah, they have extra tickets and stuff, but um yeah, I just don't like asking for stuff either. I know you don't, but it'd be weird if you just sat out front and be like, all right, dude, let me know when you're done. Well, so yeah, <laughs> just, since Jesse and I are in the same boat, I won't be alone. So we're, we're either going to buy a ticket at the door, which I think is going to be a thing. Uh, it's an extra 25 bucks, or not go at all and then just meet Spencer and Robbie nearby. Mm hmm. Or at the rally on mm-hmm. the on the last day and take off as normal. So, yeah, I don't know. It's you know we're not really missing a ton. We're going to be in the same area. We're probably going to be riding a lot of the same stuff. We're just not going to be able to say hi to the vendors and get the tracks. You know. Yeah. Um, so. Ooh, are you going to go back to that vegan restaurant? What vegan restaurant? The one in Las Vegas that we went to like five times when we went there. Oh, I don't know. It was so good. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, that was a good one. I keep thinking about their nachos. Like I, every once in a while, I think about their nachos and I smile. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I actually think that we're going to be in Vegas for so short, probably going to like get there and then fly out like immediately. Uh, okay, so never mind. Probably not even going to really spend that much time there. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's it. So is that it? Yeah, let's we can end it up. Yeah, and then uh, it's at the end of this week. It's a three day weekend. Did you know that? Nope. Do you have plans this next weekend? Are you going to be, is that when you're going to be writing? I don't think so, no. Ooh. Do you want to go camping? Yeah, we can go somewhere. I like that. Let's go camping. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.